Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. That uh, completes 20 minutes of silent meditation. <clears throat> I would encourage you to keep your eyes closed and uh, join me in the third step prayer. We're going to do it silently. We're going to do it in tune with the breath that we've just been connecting to. And I'll, I'll kind of lead you through the prayer. This is the way that I do it. I breathe in one line and out the next line. And in between, I take a few breaths and I think about what each line of that prayer is asking me to do or not do. So for me, the first line of the prayer is the word God. So I breathe in the word God. And I take a few breaths and I try to connect to that thing that we call God or higher power or infinite intelligence or whatever you want to call it. Just take a few breaths and try to make a connection with that thing deep down inside of you that has all knowledge and all power. And then I breathe out the next line of the prayer. I offer myself to thee. And I take a few breaths. And I think about my commitment today, right now. How committed am I to offering myself, my thoughts, and my actions over to this higher power? And I breathe in the next line of the prayer. To build with me and to do with me as thou will. And I take a few breaths. And I think about what my higher power might want to build with me or do with me today, right now. breathe out the next line of the prayer. Relieve me of the bondage of self. And I take a few breaths. And I think about what it would sound like in my head right now if I had no bondage to self, no old ideas, no opinions, No story. And I breathe in the next line of the prayer. That I may better do thy will. Again, I think about how much better could I do God's will if I didn't have all that noise in my head of self and my old ideas and my opinions, my story. And 
And I breathe out the next line of the prayer. Take away my difficulties. And I take a few breaths. And I just try to see what were my difficulties today so far? Where have I fallen short of doing God's will? Breathe in the next line of the prayer. That victories over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. And I take a few breaths and I think about the people that I might come in contact with today for the rest of the day and how I might affect their lives if I was truly an example of God's will and God's life and God's way of life and God's love. And I breathe out the last line of the prayer. May I do thy will always. Whenever you're ready, you can gently open your eyes, allow yourself to become aware of the seeing that's happening, consciously becoming aware that when I open my eyes, I see, I'm seeing. What I like to do is just identify the things that I'm seeing without attaching a story to it. And to do that, I invite my higher power. I, I tell my God, I see a cup. I see a speaker. I see a box of disposable face masks. I started to want to have a story about face masks. But this is a time of no story. No story. It's just a box of face masks. So this meeting is primarily about connecting right here, right now to a higher power and having the experience of doing that, even if it's just for one moment today. Uh, I'm Randy. I am alcoholic. My body is allergic to alcohol. I can never, ever drink alcohol successfully again. One day at a time today, never one day at a time. Uh, but that's not why I'm here today. I'm here today because I have a disease called alcoholism. It's a disease that centers in my mind. It talks to me in my own voice. And it manifests in my life, in my day, as an unsatisfiable, fault-finding, opinionated mind that's always in a hurry, easily frustrated, and can't stand the word no. Those characteristics, the always in a hurry, easily frustrated, and can't stand the word no, those are uh, from uh, leftover characteristics, evidently, of an infantile ego. So what you see before you is a 61-year-old man on the outside, but on the inside, I am driven by a three-year-old. 
And so <laughs> that causes me to be in conflict a lot of the time because three-year-olds don't act like I look. But when I don't get my way, I throw temper tantrums. And I think I should always be at the front of the line. And I think you're going too slow. And I'm finding fault everywhere I go. And because of this unsatisfiable, fault-finding, opinionated mind that's always in a hurry and easily frustrated and can't stand the word no, I'm always in conflict with everyone and everything around me. Always. There's always a narrative in my head, a story going on about what you're not doing right. Because if you were doing it right, then I wouldn't be so uncomfortable. And I don't think that I would make myself uncomfortable. That's crazy. Only a crazy person would make themselves uncomfortable for no reason. So I can always find a reason for my uncomfortability. And you're it. Tag, you're it. Whoever you are, wherever you are, you're the reason I'm uncomfortable. And so I'm always blaming everyone and everything for my uncomfortability. I never take responsibility for my, my bad thoughts or my bad behavior. And when I get into enough emotional pain from this mind, I got to do something to treat that disease. And the, for me, the easiest, best over-the-counter treatment for alcoholism was alcohol. Some people drink, some people, some people gamble, some people use porn, some people overeat, some people overshop, some people become power-driving, crazed maniacs. I do a lot of all of those things. When they took alcohol away, I started eating. <laughs> or anything else which will distract me from this self-talking, unsatisfiable, fault-finding, opinionated mind. The other thing that I do is that I live in a world of, I, I live in a state of compliance. I comply. I think I'm surrendered because I'm doing the thing that I don't want to do. But the fact that I don't want to do it means that I'm in compliance. And so what I do is I do everything half-hearted in compliance. And compliance is the enemy of surrender. When I'm doing it in compliance, I'm doing it with my will, even if I'm doing the right thing. And, that, and that's what it says in the big book. It says, I, I have to be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success, even when my motives are good. And by success, it means that I could have a quiet mind, not that I'm going to have a ton of money. I've always had enough money, but there's never enough for my mind. But I've always had enough for my life. I've always had enough to stay alive. But I've never had enough for my mind to shut up about money. Ever. If I ask me, how am I doing? I don't have enough money. I need some more. I don't know why. I have plenty. But I'm afraid that I'm going to lose it. Or I'm going to have to spend it on something and I'm going to need more. And my mind loves to talk to me about money. So, uh, in order for me to treat the disease of alcoholism, I have to know what it is. For me, alcoholism is not alcohol. Alcohol is the solution. It's one of the treatments for alcoholism. And 
I used it so much to treat my alcoholism for so long that I became allergic to it and I can never ever drink successfully again. It's not good or bad. I just can't drink it. I'm allergic to it. That's just the fact. It's a medical fact. I can't drink alcohol. Um, so in getting an awareness or an understanding of what this disease is, we've been reading Tebow. So we read Surrender versus Compliance, and uh, we're reading uh, the ego factors in surrender in alcoholism. So I'm going to read a little bit and talk about it, and then we're going to open up the meeting for everybody else to talk about it. Um, if you have this Harry Tebow book, it's on page 54. Uh, if you don't have that, the subtitle that we're reading under is Inability to Accept Frustration. So here's what it says. The last trait carried over from infancy is the inability to accept frustration. In an obvious sense, this inability is another aspect of the king within. Since one of the prerogatives of royalty is to proceed without interruption, for the king to wait is an affront to the royal rank. A slap at, my, at his majesty, me. A slap at me, the king, to have to wait. The ramifications of this inability to endure frustration are so widespread and the significance of much that occurs in the behavior of the alcoholic is so far-reaching that it seems advisable to discuss this trait under a separate heading. Uh, already indicated on the surface, already indicated on the surface, the inability of the king to accept frustration is absolutely logical. The wish of the king is the law of the land, and especially in the land of infancy. Any frustration is clearly a direct threat to the status of me, his majesty, whose whole being is challenged by the untoward interruption. Nothing should stop me from getting what I want when I want it, as his majesty the baby. I just got to spend time with my friend John in Chicago, and Kevin's here from Chicago. Sorry, he's, uh, he flew out here, and John has an infant. And when it's hungry, it cries. It doesn't cry very often. His baby was so good. It was, I was like, come on, what's, there's something wrong with this kid. He's too happy and friendly. And I think she cried once the whole time I was there, but she cried and she wanted to be fed. And... Everyone in the house gets up and takes care of the baby. Whatever's going on is stopped. And we take care of the baby. And the baby got fed. And so long as the baby got fed and the baby was happy, everybody else could go around the, and do their business. But if that baby started crying, all hands on deck, let's take care of His Majesty the baby. Now, it's a baby. That makes sense. But I'm not a baby. I'm a grown man. But when I want something, I think everybody should stop doing whatever they're doing and be with me and take care of me and make sure I'm getting what I need. And then you can have what you need. So long as I'm taken care of, you can have all you want. Even more significant is another aspect of this inner imperiousness. Behind it lies the assumption that in the individual, that that the individual should not be stopped. 
Again, this is logical if one considers how an absolute monarch operates. He simply does not expect to be stopped. As he wills, so will I do. This trait persisting in the unconscious furnishes a constant pressure drive, a, a constant pressure driving me forward. It says, in essence, I am unstoppable. I am unstoppable. The unconscious, which cannot be stopped, views life, from an, views life entirely from the angle of whether or not a stopping is likely or imminent or not at all in the picture. You muted yourself, Randy. Sorry. Okay. Did you hear that last part? When a, when a stopping is likely, there is worry and perhaps depression. If I look like I'm not going to get what I want, then I start worrying and I become depressed. When it seems imminent, there is anxiety boarding, bordering on panic. And when the threat is removed, there is relief and gaiety. And that is the cycle of my life as an alcoholic with alcoholism. If it looks like I'm going to get what I want, I'm as happy as can be. If it looks like I'm going to get stopped, I start to get a little anxious and depressed. If it looks like stopping is imminent, I become crazy. Health is equated with a feeling of buoyancy and smooth sailing ahead, a sense of I feel wonderful. Sickness, contrarywise, means lacking vim, vigor, and vitality, and is a burden with a sense of I'm not getting anywhere. I gotta lay here in bed, I'm not getting anywhere. The need to get somewhere, to be on the go, and the, cons the consequent suffering from eternal restlessness is still another direct effect of an inner inability to be stopped or expressed otherwise to accept the fact that one is limited. The king not only cannot accept the normal frustrations of life, but because of my inordinate drive, driving ahead, am constantly creating unnecessary roadblocks by virtue of my own insistence on barging ahead, thus causing added trouble for myself. So my drive this thing in me that forces me to need to have it now causes friction between me and everyone around me. And it causes me to push everyone and everything around me out of my life. And that's what the disease wants. The disease wants me to push everyone and everything out of my life so that it can have me by myself, tell me what a loser I am, and tell me that I should drink. And all of this is coming from inside of my head. Nobody does this to me. It's all self manifesting in various ways. Of course, on some occasions, the king gets stopped <clears throat> and stopped totally. Illness, arrests, sometimes the rules and regulations of life will halt me. Then I mark time, complying if need be waiting for the return of freedom, which I celebrate in the time-honored fashion. If I am an alcoholic, I get drunk, initiating a phase when there is no stopping me.
So I go full bore trying to get what I want. When I don't get what I want, I have a breakdown. If, I, if it's painful enough, I will drink or pull a bu- put a bullet in my head. Usually it's just a, l- a lot of caffeine and food <laughs> to get me through it. But I'm waiting. I'm just waiting. I'm not enjoying the time where I'm at. I'm not enjoying the moments. I'm in pain because I'm not getting what I want, but I'm waiting because I one day I'm going to get it. One day. This is uh, how alcoholism shows up in my life is tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm going to be happy. Tomorrow I'll start dieting. Tomorrow I'll stop drinking. Tomorrow I'll start a new exercise regime. Today I'm going to do whatever I want, but tomorrow... The immaturity of such a person is readily evident. I am impatient of delay, can never let matters evolve. I must have a blueprint to follow outlining clearly a path through the jungle of life. I need to know in advance how it's gonna work out, otherwise I'm anxious and depressed. The wisdom of the ages is merely shackling tradition that should make way for the freshness, the insuance of of youth. The value of staying where I am and working out my destiny in the here and now is not suspected. The 24-hour principle would be confining for one whose inner life brooks no confinement. The unstoppable person like myself seeks life, fun, adventure, excitement, and discovers I am on a perpetual whirly wing that carries me continuously ahead, but of course in a circle. The unstoppable person has no time for growth. I must always inwardly feel immature. I'm going to finish this last two paragraphs and then we're going to open the meeting up. This then is how the carryover of infantile traits affects me as an alcoholic. I am possessed of an inner king who not only must do things in a hurry, but has no capacity for taking frustration inside. I seek a life that will not stop me and find myself in a ceaseless rat race of trying to please self. All this is part and parcel of the big ego. The individual, the individual has no, I have no choice. I cannot select one characteristic and hang on to that, shedding other more obviously undesirable traits. It's all or nothing. For example, the driving person usually has plenty of energy, sparkle, vivacity. I stand out as a most attractive human being. Clinging to that quality, however, merely ensures the continuance of excessive drive and ego with all the pains attendant upon a life based on those qualities. The sacrifice of the ego elements must be total and they will soon or they will soon regain their ascendancy. So. I have to let go of my old ideas absolutely, or the result is nil. That's what it's saying. My old ideas is everything I think I know up until this moment right now. Everything, everything I've learned in AA, everything I've learned in church, everything I've learned in school, everything. Because if I use my old ideas, I will be energizing self. 
some part of that ego will get energized. And what the program says is that I have to trust and rely on a power greater than myself right now for everything, for the inspiration. The promise is, is that one day I'm going to intuitively know how to handle situations that used to baffle me. I'm going to intuitively know it. I'm not going to learn it in a book. I'm not going to have learned it in school or anywhere else. It might be there. And I read books and I study and I train and I learn and I work steps and I live this life. But in the moment that I need an answer, in the moment that I need inspiration, it's intuitively downloaded to me from this higher power into my mind. And then I have everything that I need to intuitively know how to handle situations that used to baffle me, which is everything. What do I eat? What do I wear? Where do I work? Who do I date? What time do I get up in the morning? What time should I go to sleep at night? How much TV should I watch? All of those things are baffling to me. And if I leave it up to self, I'm going to overdo it on all of those things. I'm going to wake up too early, go to sleep too late, watch too much TV, and then complain about not being where I want to be. So I have to see this alcoholism in my life. Otherwise, I can't treat it. I wouldn't know what to treat. I'd be treating my alcohol. I don't have the desire to drink alcohol today. It has been lifted out of me. But that does not mean in any way that my alcoholism is treated. It's a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of my spiritual condition. It's not a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of my no drinking program. I can never ever drink successfully again. But not drinking does not heal alcoholism. Because not drinking isn't isn't alcoholism. It just isn't. It's just the byproduct. So I'm going to stop talking now. I do record this meeting. It's being recorded. Uh, We make it available for people to listen to again if you want to listen to it. Uh, If you do share at this meeting, uh, it will be recorded. I do not record any video, just the audio. Uh, So if you don't want to be recorded and you don't want to be recorded, then don't share, please. Uh, If you want to ask a question, you could put a question up in the chat if you don't want to share, and I'll try to answer that if we have time. So the meeting's open if you raise your hand. I know. Uh, Hi, Scott. You're up. Hi, Randy. Scott, definitely an alcoholic. Um, Could you please, in your words, describe what it takes to offer myself as far as in step three, what are, what are the actions of offer myself? Since this seemed to be such a key factor in the maintenance of alcoholism, what does it take to offer myself, please? Thank you. Yeah, that's a great question. And, uh, So the prayer says, I'm doing the prayer. Uh, I offer myself to thee. I offer myself to thee. So that is a form of surrendering, a form of giving up 
of self, of my old ideas, of my story, and, be, and showing up. Just like how do you offer yourself for work? You put on the uniform they ask you to wear. You ask them what they want you to do today and you do what they ask you to do. And if you do a good job, you get paid. I have a new employer being all powerful. It provides what I need if I keep close to it and do its work well. That's, a, that's the line out of the book. So my job is to show up and ask and offer and say, here I am. What would you have me do today? And then do what I feel intuitively guided to do. And if you're new-ish, which could be today for anybody, uh, you should, if you have crazy ideas, things that seem, you know, uh, violent or weird or dishonest, it would be good to run that by a, a sponsor before you do it. That's, and then as we get better at this, at this connecting intuitively, as we get better at it, then, uh, you know, less checking in is needed. But still, if it's dishonest or violent or crazy, then it's always good to check it in with a sponsor. Um, so let's see, I got to do this so I can see who's in order. Oh, I got to do it here. Okay. The next person is Haley. Hi, Hi everyone. Um, I find myself breathing into the present moment a lot these days. Um, but right now I'm feeling like a cat that has a thousand lives because of my relationship with my higher power. Um, intuition is a really um, tender topic for me at the moment. I think I was a very intuitive kid but everyone in my family was sort of like in competition with that and tried to shut it down and then of course we have the family disease so the sky is is green it's not blue you know so it's taken me a long time to kind of turn my math right side up and for a while there um i was so afraid of like not doing higher powers will for me and being in my own will it sort of became <clears throat> like allergic to my will and so I completely turned off my intuition it was just you know like what's the next right action <laughs> but that was I was still very much afraid and um, today I can say my intuition is in recovery and it's one of the best gifts that recovery has given me actually um, and I have found myself in many situations where it would appear that there was no discernible solution on the material plane like I'm really screwed but because of my willingness to just completely hand my mind over to God um, miraculous things have taken place mm -hmm. and today I find myself in another position like that again and I know exactly what to do I know exactly what to do, and that is not to pick up fear and mistrust of myself or God or this situation. You know, God brought me here. God will bring me through. I cannot do this without God's help. I know God can do this. Um, that's in my bones now, and <clears throat> I made um, a financial commitment to something 
uh, many weeks ago and my circumstances changed and I realized, you know, maybe not like the best use of, of my funds, but I really want to do this thing. But is it is it the next right action? And so I just kind of turned it over because my mind, you know, I was wrestling with my will. And two nights ago, I woke up around 4.30 in the morning and I knew that it was a hell no, and I knew exactly what to say. <laughs> it was downloaded. So I just want to share that to say, like, it works if we work it. You know, there's a reason why we say that. Um, I get out of this what I put in, and my willingness is half the battle, and my ability to just, I mean, like, radically trust God no matter what. You know, like fear says, but if this happens, then, you know, but faith says, yeah, even if that happens, then God will still be there for me. So um, keep coming back if you're new. Thanks, Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Haley. Sarah. Hey, I'm Sarah. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Sarah. Um. We got four days. Yay. Yeah. Um, I needed to meditate. Who knew? I hadn't done that in a really long time. Um, yeah, thank you, Randy, for just, especially talking about, like, this, like, king baby idea. I relapsed after being sober eight years because, like, I literally every sentence that you read, I identified so deeply with, like, I just went with what I wanted and I had never had an opportunity quite like the one that I created for myself or God gave me to learn from, right? Um, where like money was involved. Like I I had like met a rich drug addict and I had never been there before. So, you know, it was kind of like, oh, a rich drug addict, maybe it's different if you have money, you know, maybe you can do drugs if you have money. Maybe that was my problem. Mm -hmm. Right. I never had any money. I was always, I was like, um, and I was trying to hold on so hard to my sobriety, but once I was honest with myself and it just became so intolerable to not pick up. And then I did pick up. I, I pretty much immediately was back where I was eight years ago, I blacked out, my head's hitting a bathtub, I'm in and out of consciousness, in between like coming to and blacking out, I'm calling people in AA and just being like, help, help. Mm. Um, So I rang the alarm and I got the help that I um, asked for. And I got four days and I literally like, I'm, I'm, back at phenomenon of craving like I'm like nowhere else but phenomenon of craving like every like 20 minutes is different like 20 I'm I'm like raging I have a plan to drive down to Florida then I want to call and then I want to like just crawl out of my skin and go pick up and then I'm in the fetal position crying because I like and being at meetings is like the only relief that I'm getting right now. And I can't even like be alone with myself for an hour without a phone call or a meeting. 
because I'm just like I'm going to drive down to Florida mm-hmm. and like go mm-hmm. on like a proper bender mm-hmm. and just so I'm like holding on and like just willing like you said Haley like that willing like I'm actually like so willing because I got a taste of sobriety in this life and I know it's the one that I value and love and cherish and mm-hmm. like adore and like that I want so I'm not even gonna like entertain the voice of the disease even though it's so loud it is so loud mm. it is so fucking loud so anyway thank you so much thank you sir we're so glad you're here thank you uh Suzanne and then you'll be next hi uh, I'm Suzanne I'm an alcoholic addict um hi Suzanne uh, Hi, uh, this is my first time at this meeting, and I want to thank you, Randy, um, for describing this disease as the um, ever-encompassing disease that takes us in every facet of our life. And um, I never heard it spoken quite so eloquently about how it just attacks every part of our existence. You know, um, I didn't realize that I was an infant in a 60 year old body or 59, I'm still holding on to my fifties. I didn't realize that I was an infant in my, in my needs, but I, I do like how you, how you said that because alcohol is really, I I know alcohol is not the issue because it's gone. It's just gone. But when you, when you were reading to Bo, um, I, I did, it, it struck me. And it, it, it said that you have to forget everything. You know, you have to wipe the slate clean, right? So now you have to wipe the slate cr- clean. Now, I'm new to this thought process. I'm not that new to the big book, but I am new to that. So now what do you do in terms of, you, now you want to grab onto your higher power, right? So what do you grab onto your higher power with? Because now you've wiped the slate clean. Now, how do I grab? So I'm grabbing with what forces. So now I understand the, the alcoholic um, disease is, is talking to me in, in that loud voice. That, that's, uh, I, I'm not going to cross talk, but somebody just said that it's, it's screaming at her and she wants to stay. And there's a recovery voice that's in you as well that's going to scream at you. And the recovery voice is going to say to you, stay in your meeting and stay alive and stay here. And I know the recovery voice. I'm trying to polish my recovery voice to make it louder than my alcoholic voice and my sick voice and that I'm, con- I'm confused. I'm going to be very honest with you because it's confusing because it's so, it's so incredibly intense mm-hmm. because it says to me, eat more, eat a little more. It says, start the diet tomorrow. It says, start, ex-. it says all the things that you said, but it also says, you know, go on this meeting and it also says, you know, do the best you can. And it also says, try to stay in the middle, which is something I never did. I was extreme. I was, you know, and it also says you're bipolar, right? It also says all those things. Mm-hmm. And it also says you're an alcoholic, you're an addict. And it also mm-hmm. says, but you're going to, you're going to do this and mm-hmm. you're going to stay and mm-hmm. you're going to get this and mm-hmm. you're going to be okay. And mm-hmm. you're going to live mm-hmm. and you're going to live this best life that you can live. Mm-hmm. And you're going to do what the people on this meeting are going to do. You're going to incorporate your higher power as best as you can. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that I want to say, and I want to incorporate this into my share is that I used to say that I was from the disposable era because that was the way I I took on life. I would, you know, eat it up and then dispose of it. I was that kind of, you know, I don't know, like even as I'm sharing, I'm feeling frenetic because I want to get so much in. 
Mm. I don't want to say so much. But that's my alcoholism, you know. I'm always in that hurry, and I'm always dissatisfied. But I want to thank you. I'm going to try to make it here next Saturday because I need to be in this process of understanding that everything I did learn, I have to let go of. But there are certain little portions of it that I am going to use to help me to grab onto my higher power and and to help me to stay in my recovery, the most important place for me to be. Absolutely. Just stay, just stay in your recovery, no matter what you hear, because there's a committee, lots of different people, whether it's the disease that takes on disproportionate different voices. Because mine speaks to me in my mother, my father, my, my teacher, every voice in the world. My, my, my alcoholism speaks to me in many voices, mm-hmm. not just my own. Mm-hmm. So stay in your recovery voice and stay in the program and stay on, on board with, with what you've said. And thank you so very much. I can't thank you enough. Thanks, Suzanne. Yeah, this, there's 12 steps as a way of life. And if I do those, if I practice these principles then I get the recovery. If I am self-talking, even if it's good, even when my motives are good, my life is still a disaster. Inside, what goes on inside of me. Even when I do the right thing, but I don't like it, and I'm keeping score, and you owe me, because I went to a meeting for you, so now now you owe me. Anyway, this is all we talk about. We're going to go through all 12 steps over the course of the next three and a half years. So hang on. It's an awesome ride. Uh, Kevin, Kevin's going to share. Thanks. Hey, I'm Kevin. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Kevin. Great to be back here and, you know, be here, here and here. (laughs) Um, I downloaded some like powerful images and and lessons from that um, Tebow reading, especially um, like for me, it seems like he's a very patient person that, you know, like if he was um, dissecting a frog, he would pull the heart out and look at it for hours and hours. And and the difference between him and me is that he looks at that heart and uh, is able to know where it fits into the frog. But for me, I look at that heart and I'm like, that is the frog. <laughs> that is the answer. <laughs> and... Um, with what he did with the ego, it really extracted it as just these these pistons that are in my head, you know, that go forward, 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 more, 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 um, one direction, and and I forget that those pistons are a part of an engine that's a part of a car, and I'm driving that car until it's almost out of gas, and then I fill up again, and then I say, oh, it'd be smart to drive this car into a swamp, how about, you know, because people on the road didn't like me that much and it seems like there's freedom in the swamp. And so I drive it into the swamp um, and then I pull out the engine because the piston is precious to me and I carry that further into the swamp until I have nothing left. Maybe this is going too far, but... um, (laughs) But I, yeah, it was... So there's like an obsessiveness, even with this metaphor, maybe, you know, so like take a break and step back from that, that there's like, what I appreciate about this meeting is that it's, it's utilizing like all the tools of the program that we have, you know, so it's like taking the time with meditation and taking the time with, um, readings and taking the time with, 
fellowship and discussion. Um, and I'm really grateful that there's, uh, there's always more to be revealed, um, in the program. Um, like I have been sober for about two and a half years now. And, um, a lot of the promises, you know, come true, but I had a particular experience. Um, I'm on a, a first kind of trip with my job and, um, the people hosting us gave us these little gift bags and, um, inside, you know, they had a really nice sweatshirt and some stat snacks and stuff like that. And then I get to the bottom and I'm already thinking about it, you know, like, Oh, is there going to be alcohol in here? And I pull it out and there's a bottle of wine. And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> and I dropped it on the bed. I'm like, Oh, duh. Yeah, of course. Um, but I thought right away, uh, um, about the 10th step promise that will, uh, uh, respond to alcohol, like recoiling from a hot flame. And I literally did that. It was hilarious. Um, you know, kind of like touched it as if it was on fire. Um, not afraid, but just, um, like, I really don't want to go there. Um, and that's a, that's a huge, I, I've been reflecting a lot that it's a huge, tiny perspective change, um, that I'm really grateful for. Um, and they, they come up in these little moments and, and those for me are spiritual experiences now. Um, instead of following um, one idea into a ditch. Um, you know, I was, it was pretty simple before, I think, like trying to, trying to find, I was looking for simple answers to life, um, but they were the wrong simple answers. And this is a simple answer that works, you know, so that simple, but not easy. And yeah, so I'm grateful I found it. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. Yeah. Welcome. Rebecca. Hi, uh, Rebecca here. <laughs> Hi, Rebecca. Uh, my landlord wanted to come up and do something, so that's why. Uh, my name is Rebecca, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, and I really love today. That was amazing. I really, really understand the infantile ego now where uh, that's... I remember, like, it just brought me back to my childhood and uh, the, you know, the feeling of, you know, like the queen, you know, whatever, like this, you know, royal me. I realize now that's my problem. I mean, that's just the problem. I feel that I'm entitled to, you know, and like if somebody doesn't... Um, you know, if I don't get enough business, you know, I don't have enough money or whatever, something comes up. It's like, I'm, you know, oh, wait, I'm, you know, the queen. What's going on here? I'm, you know, it's like my life isn't going my way. Um, like, uh, you know, think people are not acting the way they should be acting, you know, and I, it just clicked today, you know. I have 36 years mm. and it freaking clicked today, you know, and it's, but it's like, oh, why can't that person act like I want them to? I still want to control, you know, the way people act, um, you know, and my attitudes, but I know it's, you know, like I've been, you know, doing a lot of meditation now. I've, uh, controversially, I'm, I don't know if I should even mention this, but 
I was diagnosed uh, being bipolar in 2004. And so I was on medication for 16 years. And now I haven't been on medication for a couple of months now since I've been meditating every day. And, um, you know, I wish that I would have known about this in 2004 but you know things happen for a reason and um but for me i'm just saying from like ism you know is incredibly short memory so i have to just keep remembering to meditate and um you know uh just i mean uh just stay out of self you know and i realize that i i just have to keep remembering that I am the queen, you know, and that, you know, I have to realize that the queen is not in uh, the throne anymore. Like I'm, I have to have a higher power and I have to get, let go of myself, my ego. And, um, and just realize that if somebody doesn't do what I want them to do, that I can't, you know, it's not like, that's my yeah, I think that's um, one of my, you know, uh, what is it? Defects. So, yeah, that one I'm still working on. Anyway, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, next is Paul S. Hey, I'm Paul S. I'm an alcoholic. Yeah, what a great lead, Randy. And, um, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty heartbroken right now. I lost my brother to this disease, right. and um, I just got back from Michigan. Um, he, he died at my mom's house and it was a long battle. And one of the last things he said to me in a text was he wished he had gone to AA and worked the 12 steps. So this is a deadly disease. And this part about not accepting frustration, well, it hitting really, you know, hitting hard for me because, um, there's just a part of me that doesn't want to accept that this disease kills, you know, I mean, I know that cause I've seen a lot of guys, die from it but when it's this close like the closest person to me he was like my best friend he was like a father figure and he was 13 years older than me he um he basically raised me and and i brought him to aa i brought him to the primetime men's stag meeting i brought him to roxbury he's even listened to randy share and he always loved randy because randy would do those short 15 minute talks on his website and and that was one of his favorite speakers but he just couldn't get this thing and um it just shows me how devastating this thing I'm up against is. And um, if I take this lightly, um, I, that's what's waiting for me. You know, this is a deadly disease. It, it centers in my mind. And um, and I, I retreated into my bed for like two days when I heard the news. But then I had to go to God because I had to show up for my mom. My mom's elderly. I had to show up there and take care of business because it's too much for her to handle. So I'm just grateful that I was able to show up with the help of my higher power. And um, that's really all I have to say. I mean, Tebow hits it on the head, though, about this infantile ego. I just can't accept frustration. I'm always in the hurry. I'm easily frustrated. I'm basically immature. And if I live like that, I'm going to have a small life and I'm going to have to drink and use because um, I need to learn how to grow. And, and it also says that pain is a touchstone to spiritual growth. It tells me that in the 12 by 12. So I know if I can get through this and not drink or use and um, go to God more, surrender more. I know I can grow from this. So it's a huge loss for me, but it just shows me that this is a deadly disease. They say jails, institutions, and deaths. So, um, you know, unfortunately, I lost my brother to this disease, but 
The only difference between me and him, because we drank and used together, is that I found AA, I found Beverly Hills Men's Stag and the Primetime Men's Stag. And um, I stuck with it one day at a time for almost five, 17 years. January 3rd, 04 is my date. So I'm forever grateful to AA and guys like Randy to carry the message that if I don't treat this, I will put a bullet in my head. I will kill myself. This is not a joke. So um, I'm just redoubling my efforts right now. And um, that's really all I have. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. Sorry to hear about your brother. Uh, Eric, you're up. Hi, I'm Eric, an alcoholic. Um, Grateful to be here. Paul, I love you, man. Sorry to hear about your brother. Um, What a a ride. And, uh, yeah, you've been in my life for a long, long time. And, and, uh, yeah, I'm with you, man. Anything you need, feel free to reach out. I love you, man. Um, And thank you all for your shares today. Um, uh, Scott got us started with... uh, the the answer you know how do i surrender how do i how do i give myself to god um what do i have to do and you know randy eloquently answered that question you know we set aside and we we just offer ourselves and that that relationship um and that process of working the steps for me, I can only share my experience that having walked through the inventory and the surrender and the, uh, letting go of the character defects and the working with others and that whole process allowed me to have an intuition that I can trust. Um, someone else was sharing about that too. I think Haley was, who was talking about intuition and, you know, um, I never used to be able to trust that voice um, prior to having a spiritual experience. I always second-guessed it and, 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 and still do today, to be perfectly honest, on some levels. But there's strong hits that I get of intuition that I know that I can trust. And I know that that's my relationship with my higher power working in my life. And, uh, but without the process, then I'm still running on self and ego and and, and it is King Baby. It is the three-year-old who just can't deal with, I, I didn't get what I wanted. And I felt that last week, you know, with the job thing. It was like, I, did, I wasn't sure if it was going to work out. And then I got the call and the email and my, my emotion lifted. And I was like, yes, it's happening. And then it was like, and then it kind of slipped away again. And I went right back into fear. So, you know, I'm still experiencing the same kind of thing that, Tivo was describing in that literature and I'm like Tivo enough already you got me you got me <laughs> I see it but that knowledge is insufficient I've seen it many times and it, it isn't about knowing what Tivo was talking about it's about the experience of working the steps and Randy talks about that a lot too that that's where the answer is is being in the process and I love you guys thank you so much Thank you, Eric. Um, one second here. Uh, next is... Sorry. Next is... <laughs> Phyllis. I think it's a minute, so I'm just going to say, uh, Paul, um, so sorry. More importantly, you really talked about 
how fatal this disease is, really. And oftentimes I take that for granted. Woe is me, you know. Um, thank you so much for bringing it home, Sarah. I love you. You know that, girlfriend. Just keep coming back. And uh, the most words that came up for me today was faith, trust, reverence, and devotion. That's all I can really say. We have no time. Namaste. Thank you. Thanks, Rand, for everything always. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who shared. I'm sorry that some of you didn't get a chance to share today. I wish we could hear from everybody, but come back Wednesday and uh, we'll talk on Wednesday and then next Saturday we'll read some more Tiba. Uh, I appreciate you all. I would not have meditated today. Probably. I might have, but I definitely did because you were here. <laughs> and uh, so keep coming back. So I'll keep meditating for me, please. Um, I think that's it. So what we'll do is we'll take a moment of silent meditation and then we'll do this. I'll make it so you can all unmute yourselves and we'll do the serenity prayer together. I appreciate you all. John. Thank you, Have a great day. Thank you, Randy. Thank you, Randy. Thank you. Thank you. Great to see you all. Yes. Hey, John. Great hey, meeting John. as always. Hey, Randy. That was a great trip. Thank you for all your hospitality. You're, you're welcome. I had a little diversion. Oh, <laughs> Her Majesty the Baby. Her Grace. Her Majesty Her the Grace baby. the Baby. Her Grace the Baby. Uh, yeah. She had little things to say about Tebow. Uh-huh. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it was a great seeing you. Kevin, it's awesome to see you there with Randy. It's yeah, great. It's fun. It's awesome. <laughs> Crazy you know, turnaround. You know, watch those production production gift bags. There's always those goodies oh, in there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Saturday is Christmas. Oh, my gosh. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to be Christmas here. Meeting? Anyone right. who comes, I'll be here Saturday. That's why, what I do on why, Saturdays. It's just Saturday. That's awesome. gift. Just another yeah. Saturday. Except <laughs> That'd be for, a great gift. That's it'll right. It'll be awesome. Yeah. I think my son's going to try to come Wednesday. I'm just going to try to get him. He's going to be out of town, but we'll try to get him for the Wednesday meeting. Oh, good. That would be great. Good seeing you, John. Congrats on your kid, man. Yeah. Hey, Roy. Awesome to see that face, man. How are you? You look good. Very Thank good. you. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's good, man. She like. Yeah. Good thing she got her from her mom. She's such a happy baby. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, she looks, glad she looks like her mom. It's good. <laughs> Anyway, keep, med keep meditating with her. Right now. What? <laughs> yeah, start a retirement account right now. In 60 years, she'll thank you. That <laughs> might be a good idea. Yes. It's a good yes. idea. I'm just going to have to divorce my wife so I have enough money to fill that account. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a wonderful share that you... you uh, gave last week on 60 to 63. Oh, I have all my sponsees going into it. 
And and uh, one of my sponsees is actually using that to work with her sponsee. Oh, wow. So it's wonderful. That's if awesome. If anyone hasn't gone into it, you should. It's on the Primetime Is Now. Did you put it on your... your uh, no, I don't have it. I'll have to download it and put it there. It's on the Primetime Is Now website? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't and I've know. sent about 10, 12 people <laughs> to pull it out because it's... It's phenomenal. It's it's it really explains sixty to sixty three on an individual basis. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah.